All right, we are still in John 17. It's good to see you, Rod. Amen. It's a blessing to have you here today. Amen. John 17, I'm going to try to get to the eighth verse, uh, but verse number six is quite something. Um, So we'll see how far we go today. Amen. Holy Spirit will allow us to move forward. John 17, 1 through 8. John 17, 1 through 8. And the word of God reads, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were. Say that with me. They were. Amen. And you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them. And they have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Amen? Amen. I want to speak to you today from the title, The Greatest Love of All. The Greatest Love of All. And no, I'm not talking about Whitney Houston and George Benson. The children are our future, yes, but I wouldn't put all that on all the kids because we still need to be praying for them like this. Like our parents prayed for us. Amen, Rick. (laughs) Amen. I'm talking about this great relationship that we are in with our Heavenly Father. The greatest love of all. Let's go back to verse number two. Um, And then I will eventually pick up in verse six where we left off. The Word of God says, since you have given him, Jesus says as he's praying, since you have given him or given me authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Now, as I said last week, just in form of review, just to kind of catch us up, long ago, God the Father gave God the Son, the Son that he adores, authority over all flesh. But that authority was specific. It was for a specific purpose. And that was to give the son that he loves, Jesus Christ, the right to give chosen sinners access to this relationship between God the Father and the Son forever. I'm going to read that again. 
God the Father gave God the Son, the Son that he adores, amen, the authority over all flesh, but that authority was given for a specific purpose, and that was to give the Son that he loves the right to give chosen sinners (laughs) access, right, to this relationship between the Son and his Father forever. I've already preached. (laughs) That's what it's all about. Now, this promise was from God the Father to God the Son, but Jesus did not, as I said last week, possess this promise until he had paid for this promise with his life on the cross. Amen? However, the promise uh, that was given by the Father was guaranteed. It was a guaranteed result of success. Why? Because God sent Jesus, who is also God, to complete a mission. And since Jesus is God, there was no way he could ever fail. Amen? This is why the Word of God says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that who? Jesus Lord, that he is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of of God the Father. So when he's saying glorify the Son, that the Son may glorify you, it's all about the plan and the completion of the plan. Amen? Where God's heart is seen by what he has given us. But more importantly, more specifically, who he has given us. Jesus Christ. Amen? You got that? All right, can I move on? All right. So the end result is simply this. Slow down, Walter. Okay. The believer now has the opportunity to get in on this extremely tight, eternally perfect relationship between God the Father God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. A relationship that we could never get in on and never earn if it had not been for the Father giving his Son to us and sacrificing his Son on our behalf. This relationship, saints, It's tight, 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 tight. It's perfect. (laughs) And now we have the benefit of having the Holy Spirit live in us so that we can start acting like God in our relationship to him and in our relationship to each other. Amen? Now, if you've ever been in a relationship that was running on human power alone, You now understand, being a Christian, that, you know, this relationship that God has given us between between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, this relationship is priceless. It's valuable. 
Uh, to get in on this relationship requires supernatural power. Amen? Because I, re- I don't know about you, but I've been in some doozies. And I'm not just talking about romantically. I'm talking about, you know, with your mother and your father and your cousins and your, and your social work, uh, uh, your social network and, and the people that you work with at the job and your employees and, you know, and employers, all that kind of stuff. And the, the gas station man down the street and, the, you know, and the grocery store clerk and, 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 it's, and a parent-teacher-child conference. All that stuff is like, woo! we need some Jesus up in this. <laughs> There's natural relationships that are not eternal. Some folks are just for a season. Amen. And then you break up, break it off, cut them off, whatever the situation is. Even family, right? Am I, am I, am I, am I alone in this? Them cousins and them. You know? There are people that we, you know, associated with for a while, and then all of a sudden things did not go well. But this relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we are now being allowed access into a relationship that can never fail. Wow. Talking about the greatest love of all. Amen? Verse 3. 17.3, and this is eternal life, or as we studied last week, we found in the King James Version, this is life eternal, just reviewing, that we know you, the only true God, not the one we make up. There are no other gods. I don't care what you call them. I don't care how good you think this non-existent God, which is really more than likely a demon, has been good to you. There's only one true God. Are you hearing me, saints? This is life eternal, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So, hear me, saints. Eternal life, according to how the Holy Spirit defined it, and gave it to the Apostle John to write down for you and me in this church age is really not so much about living forever. It's about knowing the one who forever lives. Amen? So it's wise, saints, not to get caught up in the details of life so much so that we miss the purpose for life. And the purpose for life is not over-focusing on all the things that we think are so important. The focus for life is knowing God. Wow. We got a lot of preachers filling up churches on situational gospel where we focus on what God can do for me and give to me to get me out of my situation that I don't like so much. Not realizing that God may be using those very same things in order to bring you to a closer relationship with God to where you depend on God. Those things will make you pray. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, no matter what gets fixed tomorrow, you have nothing. Are you hearing me, saints? Ah, 
Slow down, Walter. So that, saints of God, changes the purpose for everything that we're doing here. Everything. It gives reason for why you go through anything in the first place. Your existence on the planet is to glorify God. Your existence on the planet is to become like Christ. How do you do that? By knowing God. Amen? So now, where we left off. We did last week, we did first verses 1 through 5. Now let's hit verse 6. Let's jump ahead to verse 6. And I touched on this a little briefly last Sunday, but let me, let's go a little deeper. Holy Spirit, help me. John 17 and 6 says this. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of this world or out of the world. Let's just deal with that right there. There's a lot in here. That word manifested means revealed the character and the reputation of God. Okay? Jesus is praying to his father and saying, what I did here is show them who the father really is. He's being redundant, okay? And I showed the father to the people specifically that you gave me, father, out of this world. John 1.18 says this. Keep your finger there and just go to John 1.18 real quick. John 1.18 backs this up and says, No one has ever seen God, only the only God who is at the right hand of the Father, uh, who is at the Father's side, rather. He has made him known. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Who is he talking about? Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's at the side of the Father. Amen? The NASB says it this way. Not just he has made him known, but it says he has explained him. Jesus has explained the Father. Wow! That's right, Dorothy. Wow! So Jesus came here to die for the sins of the world, but also he came to show or explain his Father. God the Father is a God of love. Amen? Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He is, knoweth not God. Huh? Knoweth not God because God is love. Amen? He that loveth not knoweth not God because God is love. So what he's saying here is that Jesus wanted us to see, Rod, just how much God loves us. Yeah. We know this because Jesus didn't just die for our sins. He didn't just come here, as Pastor Rick always says, as an abortion. Right? I think that's a brilliant point because it shows us something about the intentionality of God. 
Amen? God in the Old Testament, I just feel like preaching. God in the Old Testament, uh, when he came to the people, he dwelt amongst the people in a cloud. Then they said, build a tabernacle. And my presence here, set up the camps, all the tribes around the tabernacle. Why? Because I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I don't want you to just reverence me as God and, 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 and not know me. So they go through a bunch of things. Why? Because as I said before, God is now their Holy Ghost roommate. He's living with them. God the Father sent his son, and his son came and he spent 33 and a half years here. He dwelt with mankind, lived among us, went to the temple, had a mama and a daddy. You know, he did all, he did all the things that we would do at living this life. Had a job as a carpenter. He, you know what I'm saying? He's like, listen, I'm here. I'm up in here with y'all. God sent God to hang with us. Wow. He spent time with the people. But specifically, he spent time with his disciples. Amen? That's showing us. Jesus manifests the character of God. The character of God is, I want relationship. I want you to be in on this greatest love of all things that I'm offering you. Are you hearing me? Then it says this, back to John 6. I manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were. And you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Yours they were. What we're talking about here is predestination. Here's the thing that we need to see. When Jesus, Jesus went to the disciples and called them by name and told them, hey, Matthew, stop doing what you're doing. Peter, stop doing what you're doing. Whatever y'all doing, whatever your job was, come follow me. And they stopped. They dropped their nets. They dropped their tax books and all the cricket money things that Matthew was doing. And they got up and they followed Jesus. Why? Because they were already promised to him by the Father. He called them. Jesus knew they were going to come. He knew who they were. They were already promised to the Son by the Father. But it's not just the apostles that are promised to the Son. It's everyone who follows Jesus Christ who's promised to the Son. You and me, we were promised to the Son. He looked in our situation and whatever we were doing and said, Jamie, come follow me. Come on, somebody. This is why we must remain humble and there should not be an arrogant bone in our body When it comes to believers, because God started this process of our salvation even before we got here. Before we were formed in our mother's womb, we couldn't earn what we were given. We weren't even alive yet. (laughs) Jesus is the only one who could say he earned anything. They were given to him, and he earned are the right to bring us into the family and give us eternal life by dying on the cross. Amen. But we were given to him, huh, in our relationship 
with the Father because of what Jesus did. Jesus was given to us. Why? Because we, we were given salvation with God before there were any attempts to even try to earn it. So what I'm trying to say to you is, is Jesus is the only one that paid for anything. You never paid for nothing. He earned, we just get. So we don't walk around looking at everybody else like we're better than them. Because we didn't start this thing. Are right, you hearing me? Being in the greatest relationship of all, the love of all, should humble you. Amen? All right. And now, stay there. And now, let's flip over to John 6, 37. John 6, 37 to 39. The word of God reads, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Talking about being predestined. Amen? But there's another side. The believers were given to Jesus before the foundation of the world, and we were predestined to be with Jesus. But then it says, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So here we see the dual side of salvation. Not that we earn it, but that we respond. Amen? Here we see the Father's promises to the church or the bride of Christ. Amen, as we are called. And they come because they already belonged and were promised to come to the Son. Amen? But we also have a responsibility to come. Amen? Even though we are predetermined and predestined to come, uh, we also must respond to the call of God. Meaning the promised children must also place their faith in Jesus Christ to be saved and put their trust in Jesus Christ for salvation in order to enter into this great relationship that nobody else can get in other than the Son. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So there is a call of God before we were even born, before the foundation, before he said, let there be light. He was thinking about you and me. And on top of that, when he says, come, we must respond. Are you hearing me? Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I will in no wise, as it says in King James, no wise cast out or drive away. Now, some people have thought that this means something else. Let me try to break this down for you so I can, and then I'll move ahead. Um, this doesn't mean that when you come to Jesus, uh, he promises you not to kick you out later. That's what I thought it meant. He that comes to me, I will no longer, you know, I will no wise cast out. Here comes Jamie asking to be saved. You know, come on in, Jamie. And then later on, nah, I'm just kidding, Jamie. You're going straight to hell. No, that's not what it means. Okay? It means those that come to Jesus will be kept by Jesus. Oh, I didn't know that. Had to do a word search to look at that. Jesus is the one who pays for the calling, receives the gift of the sinners that are in the relationship with him, and he's also the keeper. He's the one that keeps us. Amen? Of course, we understand that by, by sending his spirit, Holy Spirit. Amen? But Jesus understands that if the Father gives the gifts to the Son, 
he is certainly going to receive this gift because the Father will back up his word. And Jesus knows he's all-powerful and no one can snatch us out of his hand. Are you hearing me? No one can take his gift from him. Ah, that's good. And how I know this to be true as far as this verse is concerned is if you look at the context, never just take a word or a pastor and believe he says something without him backing up. If you just look at the context of this verse, you can understand what cast out really means. Verse 37 says this, And all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Verse 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Verse 9 is it. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. So Jesus is saying, basically, I will, know, I will in no wise cast out those who come to me. And we know what he means by that because he says, and I won't lose not near one of you. Now, this is about to take a turn in a minute, but just think about it. If I give you a necklace, some nice jewelry, let's go back to the 80s with big old donkey chain. Run DMC donkey chain. Adidas can going. If I give you one of them big old necklaces with diamonds on it, Sheila, you look like you used to wear one. <laughs> if I give you something like that, the necklace can't lose itself. The only way the necklace gets lost is if the person who it's given to is somehow negligent or forgetful or careless. What he's saying, basically, is he's so powerful, the only way he's going to lose is if he decides to cast it out. But he will never do that because he's the keeper. So once your salvation is secure, you are set. You are in with God. You are in this relationship. It cannot be taken from him. You cannot be kicked out. He's not changing his mind. Ah. All right. So back to John 17, 6. Let's wrap this up. One more time. I have manifested your name, shown you, God, the Father, to the people whom you gave me out of this world. And they have kept your word. Verse 7, now they know that everything you have given me is from you. Mm. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Now, that's interesting because Jesus is saying that the disciples have kept his word. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. I read my Bible. Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet. This is before they became apostles. Huh. Pastor, I seem to recall that those disciples, at one point in time, before he even died, Abandoned Jesus. Wait a minute, Jesus, hold on. They totally blew it. 
They were running with Jesus. The soldiers came and they punked out. Every last one of them. And then Peter, he punked out so many times he was practicing punking out. <laughs> Don't you know Jesus? Never heard of him. Did y'all see you at the mall with Jesus? No, that was my cousin. I know you was running with Jesus. Listen, I'm about to curse you out. You can... Peter went there on him. So what are you talking about, Pastor Hawkins? That they kept his word. Well, this is what Jesus said. Did he not? Maybe the argument is that, well, John just kind of threw this in here because he wanted to look better than he actually did. You know, me and my boys, we was faithful. We was faithful, you know. No, these are the words of Christ. This is Jesus praying. This is not John inserting something. He's saying they have kept your word, Father. Jesus is telling God the Father they have kept your word. They kept the words that I gave them. And those words that I gave them came from you, Father. I only say what you want me to say. I told them what you wanted me to tell them. And they kept it. So we have an interesting situation here then. What makes you a believer? What gets you into this greatest love of all relationships? What is the essential evidence that you and I belong to God? Whoa. That's a good question. Yeah, you're quiet. Is it perfect living? Is it operating on your gifts at another level? Will you blow on people and they pass out? Do you and I have perfect understanding right now of everything that Jesus said? Do we fail from time to time? Last week. (laughs) This coming up week. The week after that. Mm. Are my children... My children, because they do everything that's right. These little people here, are they my kids? Because they have done everything right. Are my children my children only because they understand everything I'm trying to teach them? No. What about yours? (laughs) Some Some people really identify with that. No. Hear me, saints. It's based on faith. Faith alone. We belong to God because we believe what Jesus said. Not because we perfectly executed. Doesn't mean we want to continue to trip out and slip up. But the truth is, is we are children of God because we are believing on the Son of God. It is based on faith. So Jesus said, these are his own words, look at it. Father, 
they know everything that you have given me is from you. For I've given them the words that you gave me. And they have, as verse 8 says, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. It's the same thing. I keep going back to this because I can't stop reiterating this point. It's the same thing with the thief on the cross. Think about it. The thief on the cross was like, I don't know about all this, but I know you must be who you say you are. Oh, no Christian training, no seminary class, no none of that. But he believed what Jesus said. And the thief ended up in paradise because he believed what Jesus said. Lord, remember me when you come to your kingdom. I know you must be somebody. I don't know exactly how all this works. I haven't figured it all out. But I place my faith in you. Are you hearing me, saints? And Jesus said, surely this day. Surely this day you shall be with me in paradise. Whoa. So he's saying the same thing to disciples. Oh, don't cry, Jimmy. He's saying the same thing to the disciples. What blows me away is he's saying the same thing to you and me. But think about the disciples. Jesus is praying a prayer of approval over people that he knows is getting ready to fail miserably in a few hours. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And Jesus is not shocked. He's not surprised. He's not even looking at all that. He's saying, Father, they have kept your word. They believe that I am your son. They believe the words that I gave them. They believe that you sent me. And Jesus says, they are approved. They belong to God. They belong to the Father. They have kept the word of God, which means their relationship is solid. They are locked in on the greatest love of all. Because of faith. Now, I don't know about you. But I don't know anybody who would commit to me knowing I'm about to cheat. Knowing I'm about to betray. Knowing I'm about to mess up. But here's the thing, saints. It's a deeper kind of love. We can identify with this love. Why? Because you hold that baby knowing that baby ain't going to do everything right. And you commit, I'm going to cook, I'm going to clean, I'm going to raise, I'm going to shop, I'm going to buy Nikes, I'm going to do what I got to do. Put you through college and I know you're going to talk back. Jesus loves us with an even deeper love than that. Why? Because I love my children. My children might mess up once or twice a week. They're good kids, in my opinion. I don't let nobody tell you, you got bad kids. No, I don't. I have great kids. I love my babies, even if they mess up every now and then. You know, that's the truth. I just do. But here's the thing. I mess up probably a thousand times that I don't even know about in one day with God. Things that ain't even on my radar. Things I'm thinking about. And Jesus still committed to me. 
and said, Father, he may be a knucklehead. He may be hard-headed, but he belongs to you. He is kept. Your word, he believes that you are, you have sent me and I am your son. Wow. I don't know about you. The disciples are followers of God in the greatest love of God based on faith alone. They believe the words of Jesus. Amen. Peter was walking on the water. The storm came. Huh? He looked out there. He said, Jesus, is that you? Huh? He starts looking at the water. What happened? Y'all know the story? He starts sinking. He starts going down. Huh? Jesus reaches out, snatches him, pulls him up. Do you know what he says? Do you remember what he said? He said, oh, ye of little faith. Now, here's the thing, saints. I don't know about you. But I'm glad that little faith don't mean no faith. <laughs> it's true that he began to sink. It's true that Jesus had to rescue him. But immature faith is not the same thing as no faith. Just because you have doubts, just because you have fears, just because you struggle, that is not, just because you don't understand it all, that does not mean you're not a child of God. And you are presently... By faith, not because you earned it, but because God loves you and sent his son for you, you are presently, right now, if you're a believer, in the greatest love of all. Last point, and I'm done. This is good? Y'all hang on with me? Okay. All right. One more time on this, because this, this, this blew me away, and I saw this, um, this point here. Verse 6 again. I might be at verse 6 for a while. There's so much in here. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me, right? All right. Out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. The believers, as I said before, the bride of Christ, the church, belongs to the Father long before they came to faith in Jesus Christ. God called them predestined them, amen, amen, and promised them as a gift to the son. We know that. So if I know that I and everybody else that belongs in his church, in the body of Christ, the believers, if I know that they are promised long before they could do anything or I could do anything, then I can go ahead and evangelize. I can go ahead and speak for Christ because it's not about how much I've studied. It's not about whether or not I fumble my words. Huh? If I don't know exactly what to say, one of the greatest revivals was led by a man and you saw the movie uh, just came out not too long ago. When you hear the sermon that he preached that started the revival even in this Bay Area, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the Jesus movie that just came, came out not too long ago. Um, I can't remember the title of it. But when you hear the sermon, uh, he's just stumbling all over the place. 
He's fumbling, almost like he's stuttering. It's like, how did anybody get saved on this? And they turned the place around, turned the whole country around. Folks is getting saved, saved left and right. It's not about you. Are you hearing me? He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. It's like you, it's, it's the foolishness of preaching. It's like, how, how did that even happen? You don't have no power to give somebody life. You can't even give yourself life. It has to come from God. So is it really because I am, you know, really, really well-versed in all the things that you've out evangelism and took 99 classes? No. It's because God has already predestined his people to come. Amen? He knows who his children are. The only reason people come to God is because they are already, they are already promised to the Son. And in verse uh, John 6, 44, it says, you know, except the Father draws them. Right? Right? So the people that are coming are already being drawn. You're just doing the talking. Whoa. He decided to use you in the process and then turn around and reward you <laughs> for him drawing them because you talked to him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He does all that work. And he, all he wants you to do is just say, Lord, just give me, like Paul said, just give me boldness to declare your word. Just give me the boldness. It's changed my heart on this thing. Help me to see that you've already got this thing rigged. Because here's the thing, saints. They may reject you. Right? But that don't mean they still ain't coming. Because if they belong to him, one day they're going to come. Oh, I don't know if you're getting it. So tell Pookie and Ray Ray and Boone June or whatever else them nephews rolling around with half their pants on tell all of them that Jesus saves because there's a very high probability that they may already be chosen by God and already promised as a gift to his son that he loves are you hearing what I'm saying and he did that before the world was formed Ah. Tell them that Jesus made a way for them to get in on what you got in on. What did you get in on? The greatest love of all. It is the greatest love of all. Because Jesus dies for me and then promises me that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. There is no other relationship in the world where you can come and repent of all your dirt and have somebody receive you and give you everlasting life. Who does that? Has to be God, saints. It has to be God. He's the only one. And because that otherworldly relationship that we are in with him, has so pricked our hearts, you know what it'll make you do? It'll make you study. Oh, turn it around, Pastor. It'll make you get in your word because you have a burning desire 
Because you can't just sit up in Starbucks and just sit there and, as one of the pastors said this morning, let people talk crazy about Jesus and not say something. You just have to, wait a minute, hold on, wait, wait, hold up now, wait. That's not true. God bless you, but let me pull out my Bible that I marked up and tell you. Now, you may spit in my face, but I told you. And one day, if you're chosen, I might see you in heaven walking through the gates. And you'll look at me and say, thank you so much for what you said to me, even though I spit in your face. I am now in the greatest love of all. I'm good. I'm done. I'm good. I'm good. I'm done.